The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Navigator's Church Ministries led a track called Disciple Making Relationships, Get Real and Go Deep. They've provided our listeners with a short free PDF resource called The Start Small, Go Slow Strategy, which leads readers through a pastor's journey to building a disciple-making culture. It's available for free at discipleship.org slash navigators. That's discipleship.org slash navigators. Now here's today's track session. We're going to do two things with you today. One is we're going to look at the biblical foundation of relationships and the importance of relationships and and making disciples. And then we're going to give you kind of a a little process, a little tool that you could use in going deep with people. And then you're going to experiment with it this morning. By the way, this might be a little bit different from some of the other workshops. Uh, This is going to be pilot participation, and we're going to learn by doing this morning. And so let me introduce Alex. Alex is on staff with the Navigator Church Ministries in uh, the Los Angeles area, so he flew all the way from California to join us for the time. If you visit Alex, ask him for an airplane ride. Alex is a pilot, so. Good morning. morning. I'm excited to be here with you all this morning. I've been on staff at Navigator 16 years, but I go even further back to 1981. I first met the Navigators in the military. Um, I currently live in Los Angeles. I'm a native Californian. And uh, Bill and I have connected through this workshop throughout the years, and I'm really excited about you being here. First of all, does everybody have a handout? What's special about this handout, it covers the three workshops this morning that we're going to present, one after the other. So if you keep this and you come back, you only get one, but it's something that we really want you to have and, and, and cherish as a, as a resource to you in the future. Um, we'll be just doing the first session, which is Get Real, Go Deep. And uh, that'll be pages two and three this morning. I'll be doing page two and three. So first of all, when you look at this Get Real and Go Deep by nurturing people instead of programs, what do you see in this picture, first of all? Two people. They're not, it's not one person. So you're paired up in a relationship. You've got to have a relationship. can't be yourself, just by yourself. can't be just talking to yourself. You have to be in relationship with other people. And they, in this particular thing, they, they're in a dangerous situation because if they don't have their oxygen and watch each other, they'll drown and die. Same thing can happen in our own Christian walk. We try to do it all by ourselves. We can drown and die. We don't want that to happen. So what comes to mind when you think of discipleship? We can be sitting here all morning and we can get a million answers. But I'll bet you at least some of these things you think of maybe programs, discipleship programs. That sounds normal, sounds okay. Maybe you think of discipleship classes. Maybe your church is having a class. Maybe you have programs. Maybe in your church you like to give out Certificates through the 16 work program. Now you got discipleship certificate. Whatever that dynamic is in your mind, this morning we're going to be interactive. You're going to get to know people around you. Most likely you came with someone. And but yet the idea is we're going to work around the tables this morning, answering a few questions. So, do you think of materials and discipleship tools when you think about discipleship? There's tables out there. There's all kinds of things. And I'm sure that you have those kinds of experiences. Let me um, ask you, do you think of how Jesus did discipleship? That's why we're here this morning. 
We want to be people touched by the master himself. We want to be used by God to help others know the master. And in turn, our lives are radically transformed because of Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at how Jesus did it. So, the value of relationships. That's something that we're going to talk about. And, and let me just kind of talk about this question here. My focus is to get real. What does that really mean? And in the context of this conversation this morning, it's everyday, authentic relationships. To get real in discipleship is to get into each other's lives, to do life on life, to be involved with the Master, Jesus Christ, who is able to meet you where you're at. And our discipleship should be in the same vein. So programs don't make disciples. People and relationships do. So if you're here thinking you're going to get the greatest in program development, you might be a little disappointed because we're not going to be talking about programs. We're going to be talking about your relationships, the people that you have in your life, who you are discipling, who you want to see impact others and make disciples. So, personal story. When I came to faith, I was an eight-year-old child, Good News Bible Club, and as any kid, I was rebellious and rambunctious, and so the next eight, nine years, I was pretty much a, a, a terror. And um, I joined the military, and for the very first time, I was experiencing life and I was like, is this all there is to life? Work, eat, and play? And I was experiencing some voids and loneliness. And God met me in such a way that he brought people into my life who pointed me to Christ and helped me grow my faith. One of those groups at that time was the Navigators. There was a guy who met with me on a weekly basis and even chased me down when I didn't want to be caught, if I could say it that way. But I remember those rich times, and they were impactful because as a very insecure young man, he took interest in me. He gave me affirmation. He held me accountable. And in those experiences, he also imparted his life to me, which radically changed the way I do discipleship. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Those experiences I continue to do today in relationships with others, be it a large group, a small group, or one-on-one, -on -one, I do that because that's how I was discipled. So just this past week, I met with a 21-year-old. Uh, he's raised by a single mother. He, he struggles to, to make his ends meet. He lives in a one-studio uh, apartment with his two brothers and his grandmother. It's a very small old place. And uh, his name's Israel. And he and I meet together one-on-one. -on -one. He's never had discipleship this way. I just started about a month ago. And when I meet with him, I show you the scriptures. We talk about the Lord and we talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And then what I do in that process is I plant the seed. What I'm teaching you now, you can teach somebody else. Mm -hmm. I don't say, well, you need to do this 
10 week program. You need to fill out these certificate programs and then you'll be qualified. I say immediately. So we get a chance to experience that in that way. For me, it's, it's really meaningful. So this morning, I want us to stop and um, think about your own story. So take a moment and identify one person in your own life that has influenced you. So do that right now. There's got to be at least one person in your life that's influenced you. In the faith is what we're talking about, but if you want to consider someone else, go ahead and put that. So write that down. Okay, so it took you too long because that person should be right there in front of your head, in your mind. So now let's identify the reason that you put that person. It would be a one or two word phrase. It shouldn't, don't, we're not looking for novels. Okay, yeah, exactly, exactly, spend time. So, so to, right now, I want you to look at page two, and it says, Jesus set the example. In your tables right now, we, you can look up the passages, but more, more importantly, I want you to answer the questions that are there. What does this diverse set of events tell us about how Jesus built relationships with the people he was discipling? Go ahead and begin to answer those questions and discuss that amongst your table right now. First of all, if you don't know the person sitting across from you, please introduce yourself, say where you're from. But we don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but we want you to work. So go ahead and discuss. Okay, let's continue on having your attention, please. If you didn't finish it, you can finish it later on your own. Again, I'm gonna do some rhetorical questions and, and see if I can kind of catch your, your attention with some of these thoughts. First of all, did anyone see Jesus passing out certificates or degrees? No? Secondly, did Jesus, when Jesus called his disciples, what did he call them to do? Follow. Follow him. Be with him, right? You notice how the, the, the Great Commission didn't start on day one with those disciples, right? I mean, granted, it's a very, very important thing, and that's why we're here today, right? We want to go make disciples of all the nations. But when he called them in the beginning of his ministry, did he give them that charge? Hmm. What did he ask them to do? Follow. Follow. Be with them. And in the process of being with Jesus, what happens to these disciples? Their life's changed. Say that again? Their life has changed. Their life has changed, transformed. The, the, that the Pharisees recognize, hey, these are ordinary men. They, they've been with Jesus. How often do we do discipleship with that focus, being with Jesus, and helping men and women, boys and girls, see that that's who they're following? And that when you come alongside them, that they see you as a, an assistant, a helper, someone that's an asset to them versus the duck and cover routine, right? Uh, how many of you have ever experienced the duck and cover routine? When they see you come and they go the other direction <laughs> because they know you're gonna try to give them the 10 questions, right? And so, so when we think about the way of Jesus, and what you learned this morning, just kind of thinking about it, what did he do the majority of his ministry? Out and about. Out and about, right. I mean, cultural things, and I understand there's aspects of, of 
uh, church. But let's let's talk about. He did go to the synagogues. He he, he ministered there. So there's a there's an appropriate place and work that happens in the church. Yet there's the rest of life and the people at work. When I worked for Boeing, I used to lead Bible studies and lead people to the Lord. And, and that was a great experience because I was out and about in my business doing the work that God's called me to do, which at the time was build planes for a living. But we had lunch breaks. We had, a, so we could get some discussion going. Point is, is that everybody here has a life and we need to know how to walk with Jesus through every part of our life. And so do our disciples that we're producing. We don't want them just to know how to do it in the church. We want them to be able to experience it like Jesus lived it out for, before everybody. Okay, um, so we looked at a few of these things uh, about Jesus and how he made, went about making disciples and how he called us. And we also see the events that he's done. Uh, let me move us forward again. When we think about Jesus' life, one thing we do know is that he gave us a new commandment, right? And what did he say, tell us to do? Love. Love. Yeah. That, that, that we need to honor him and love one another so that people know that we're his disciples. So the way of making disciples is the way of love. We give ourselves to people because we want to get a name for ourselves, that we want to build our own little kingdoms and our own little realms. No, because Jesus commanded us to go make disciples and to do it in love. So, this is what I would say. When God becomes a constant companion, every corner of your life is occupied with the sense of God's presence. In other words, we want people that we're discipling to always remember that it's all about God. It's about a relationship with God. And it's not always easy to do because reality is life is messy sometimes, right? It gets pretty messy out there. If you're in the community or in church life, um, working with people can be really hard sometimes. Just simply because life is messy. And But we have a great Savior and God himself is able to heal people. So let me move us to the next thought here. Has anyone ever heard of R plus 2 plus uh, R? Plus 2D plus 3A equals disciple. Anyone seen that, heard of that? Okay. <laughs> Navigator guys know that. <laughs> yeah, it's a mathematical formula, right? <laughs> it isn't. It's really about walking with God. R stands for relationship, relationship with God. You, you and I want to be in a relationship with God and relationship with others. And so we have relationships that point us to God. And we do this around 2D, which is around the Bible, to discuss and discover God's truth. When we do that in relationship around the Word of God, and plus we do 3A, which is affirm, apply, and hold each other accountable. In this relationship, this triangle relationship around keeping the focus of what a disciple is, we will experience transformation in our relationships. We will not make the relationship about whatever hobby it might be. Um, yes, R stands for relationship. Two, uh, D stands for 
um, discovery and discussion around the Word of God, plus 3A, which is affirmation, application, and accountability, will help us keep the target in front of us of what a disciple is. We're not trying to promote a list of books that you must read, a set of series of assessments that you must do. We're asking people to get together in relationship around the Word of God with their relationship with other people. Now, there's plenty of resources out there, and I'm sure you guys have seen them. And they're good stuff. But if you take the relationship out, then what happens to the person that you're trying to help? Project, yeah, come on, yeah. How many, does anyone like being a project? <laughs> no, no, nobody wants to be a project. Because that seems a little demeaning and, and devaluing and, and superiority. Like, you know, you're really messed up, so I'm gonna just come over here and clean up your life and help you get better and teach you all the right things. And, and the reality is that you know, we're in this journey together as, as human beings, brothers and sisters, and we must share each other's burdens and carry the load together with humility. Jesus did that. Jesus wasn't a proud man. Humble and meek, and yet he had a radical way of asking questions and provoking people to deeper things. He called things out in relationship, but he had the authority and the position that really was inviting for people to, to look at him for who he was and who he is. So today, you know, as you think about your discipleship relationships, the people that you're working with, are you thinking more programs? Are you thinking more classes? Are you thinking, I need to get this degree or title? Now, I'm not knocking those things. Those are good, you know? And, and I'm supportive. I, I got certificates, you know, and all those other things that go with it for the hope that I become more sharpened and, and more effective in my ministry. But if you stick to the fundamental of relationship, you look at the master and how he went about doing the ministry here on this earth, he did it through relationship with people, coming alongside and asking the real deep questions that we all need to be asked at times. How are you doing? Are you walking with God? Are you reading? Are you praying? Are you staying out of sin? Just like I was doing with this 21-year-old this past week. So tell me your struggle. Are you going through it? He looked at me with big eyes, because he hadn't, he I don't know. And, and, and really, he, he's struggling with some stuff, <coughs> but he had never had anyone ask him those questions in church. He was more about doing a program and doing certain details. And so when I asked him those things, he struggled to express himself. But why, why is that? Because he probably didn't have secure, safe area for him at this point. Even though I'm in relationship with him, he still hasn't learned how to trust me yet. Mm. And so that's okay, it takes time. Relationships take time. And so as you think about discipleship and going forward, you've got to think about the deeper things. So at this point, <clears throat> Bill Mauer is going to come up and take you into the deeper things. Come up, Bill. Thanks, Alan. <clears throat> you know, a number of years ago with uh, In the Navigators, part of my responsibility was uh, mentoring uh, young staff. And in this case, it's collegiate staff. And 
And uh, so one young man I was working with, uh, let's call him Jim, uh, gave me a call one day and he says, hey Bill, uh, can we get together? And we had a, he was about an hour and a half drive away and we had a common restaurant we'd meet at, well, McDonald's. And I said, hey, can we meet at our McDonald's? There's something I'd like to talk with you about. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. And they said, something I'd like to talk with you about. But that's when you wonder, oh, I wonder what the issue is. And so, you know, we met and had our chit-chat. And he says, uh, you know, Bill, I'd like to illustrate something with you. He said, it's kind of but true conversation. So he pulls out, you know, the McDonald's napkin. And he says, you know, uh, this is kind of me in the relationship. And, uh, and this is kind of you. And he said that a lot of times what I feel happens is that I kind of move to you in relationship and you move away from me. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I think I've had this conversation with my wife. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so we talked about what that meant and what that looked like. And I, and I realized that to some degree, because he was a staff and I was supposed to be training him, it was coming across as a project, like what you just ended up on. And it wasn't a relationship. And it wasn't a relationship where there was a spirit of transparency and vulnerability, particularly in my part. And so that's probably all of you have some of these marker events, right, in your life that God kind of catches your attention. And, and that was one of those that caught my attention. And one of the things that helped me to learn how to go deeper in relationships is this illustration that's in your notes. And it's that little triangular illustration there. And this is something that's just helped me at that point in time and over the years to think about how to go deeper in relationships. And now, as we walk through this little tool, and then you're going to get a chance to practice it. We're going to have chaos raining here in a couple minutes. <laughs> but uh, this is meant to be descriptive and not prescriptive. Okay? And so what do I mean by this? It, it tends to describe how relationships develop, but it's not prescribing that they do it in exactly this way. So it's descriptive of a process that's often there, and, uh, but it's not prescribing each step has to take place along the way. And probably you will have experienced some of this today, and you're going to experience it soon in this room. And so this is meant to be descriptive and not prescriptive. The other piece of this, as we think of building deep relationships where there's a spirit of transparency and vulnerability, one way I like to look at it is that what we want to do is we're trusting God to get kind of the backstory of people's lives. I mean, when we all walked in, all of you have a backstory that's going on behind, in your head and in your heart this morning when you walked into this room. You know, one of my backstory is, is that uh, I became a grandfather, you know, about uh, three months ago, and my son and daughter lived in, in, in Colorado, but I have yet to hold my grandchildren because they're in a neonatal they were born premature, you know, like uh, 15. They were a little over a pound when they were born. And so that's kind of my backstory. You know, I'm concerned about my grandchildren. My wife's out there helping at this moment in time. And so probably all of you have some backstories, right, going on in your life as you're sitting here. And the way I look at this is as we go deep with people, we begin to connect with those backstories that are in people's lives. And when we begin to connect with people's backstories and begin to help them see how kind of Jesus can connect with those backstories, to me, that's kind of when ministry begins to happen. And so that this is just not simply being transparent and vulnerable because it makes me feel good, but then we want to connect in each of our lives with these backstories and then allowing the Spirit of God to use us as we're discipling people to begin to minister in the context of those backstories.
So this is an illustration. It's kind of three things I'd like us just to briefly look at in terms of the three sides of the triangle. And uh, Alex had mentioned this earlier, but you had the foundation of the triangle is love, right? And in John 13, 1, Jesus, and this is in reference to the 12, by the way, he says that I've loved you until the end. This is to the 12. This isn't a cosmic love of loving the world, but this is loving these 12 men. And I've often thought, so if you were in that room with Jesus, you know, taking kind of what we call the Last Supper together, when he says, I've loved you to the end, what things might come to mind that say, yeah, this is how Jesus loved me in my last year and a half with him? That's just kind of a little reflection question. But, but love is foundational to all that we do, right? And then you have the other two sides of this tri tri of triangle of transparency and vulnerability. And transparency, again, is in the garden, right, where Jesus is inviting these three men to watch and pray with him. And he says, my heart is really heavy. He's, he's revealing about himself. And something that's, you know, this is a tough time for him. And he's inviting his friends in to pray with him. There's a sense of transparency and openness before these men. And then the other side of that triangle is vulnerability. And, 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 uh, and there's a great passage in Luke 22, 28. You know, Jesus says, again, to the 12, he says, You have been those who have stood with me or stood by me in my trials. Now, we don't want to extrapolate too much from that passage, but, but think of this. He says, referring to the 12, you stood by me in my trials. Now, the standing there, I think we'd all agree, it doesn't mean that I've just simply stood there, that they were standing there with Jesus. But when we stand next to somebody, that's implying that I'm there as a source of support, and there's a source of encouragement. And so he says, you've stood by me in a relational way in my trials. Now again, we don't want to mess with the deity and humanity of Jesus here, but we do know that from Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, right? And so I just wonder in the context of that passage, then in the context of his relationship with those men, that was he sharing periodically some of those times where he was facing those temptations? And they stood with him in those times. And so as we think about the difference between transparency and vulnerability, the, the way I've often shared is that, like, for example, I was a little bit transparent with you in describing, you know, my, my grandsons and what's going on in their lives. And, and, and this has really been a, hurt, a hard thing for me. But when I become vulnerable, as I invite you in in some way, could you really pray with me? Or, you know, I'm going to Colorado in two weeks. Can you come over and help me in this? And so transparency is I'm revealing something, say, about myself. But vulnerability is I'm inviting you into my life to be a source of support, help, and so on. So the invitation now is to enter into my life and not just giving you something of being transparent about myself. Does this make sense? And so that both of those things, you know, I'm, I'm revealing, I'm, I'm looking at Jesus. You know, he's inviting these men in, you know both in the garden, and he seems to have a pattern in it. There's a foundation of love. And then there's some kind of some practical steps. And so if you want to look at this illustration, that it, it's five levels of communication, and it starts at the top with cliche and information. This is kind of above the waterline. And then you've got judgment, feelings, and peak communications below the waterline. And that is, is with any iceberg, you know, the biggest part is always below the waterline, right? So let me just walk through these just for a minute to give some explanation. And so, you know, above the waterline, the easiest one is just cliche conversation. Hey, how are you? How's it going? 
you know, a couple years ago, again, one of these little events that happened in your life that I'm walking my dog in my neighborhood, okay, so I'm a couple of blocks away from home, and a guy's out messing around. He's, uh, yeah, he's weeding like Jesus was. Uh, <laughs> so he's weeding in his yard, and uh, that has a whole different meaning if you're from Colorado, but he's weeding in his yard, <laughs> and, and I'm walking my dog, and I say, hey, how are you? And how do you expect, what are you waiting for a reply? Yeah, fine. Well, this guy says, hey, you know, I'm really not having a good day. And two blocks later, it struck me, hey, he's not having a good day. And in other words, I was expecting the cliche response back, because that's all I was giving him. And, and I missed the opportunity. But cliches are like that. You've done that here with people. And also, you've probably done the second one, is we just collect information. Hey, where are you from, right? What church are you from? You know, uh, you're a leader in the church, you're a pastor. You know, we're just collecting information about one another. And this is all above the waterline. And this is fine. This is all part of the relationship building process. But when we get below the waterline, we begin talking about eh, maybe some judgments, values. Uh, so, hey, what would you think about that message yesterday on prayer? You know, have you ever prayed in that way before? You know, that, you know did God kind of show anything to you? You know, I'm kind of getting below the waterline. We're talking about our feelings and judgments and values. And, and, uh, and then we're getting into the area of, you know, our emotions and our feelings and, and peak communication to me. And, and you probably have some friends like this that, that I, I think a peak communication is that you can be absent from somebody for weeks, months, maybe even years at a time, and you get back together and you realize, man, we're back and we're sharing our lives. We don't have to go through all this stuff again. We can jump right into it. Now, hopefully you have that with your spouse. <laughs> And, uh, but that's the idea of peak communication. So there is that sense of where we're honestly opening up and sharing our lives with one another. There's a spirit of vulnerability and transparency. But oftentimes, it kind of walks through this little process. It doesn't happen all at once. Now, here's what we're going to do, because I want you to experience this. And so that uh, what we're going to do is, uh, this is where chaos is going to reign, is that I want you to pair up with somebody that you do not know in this room. It could be right around the table. And let's have men with men and women with women. And, uh, and your assignment in about five, for about five minutes is to collect some information about one another because you don't know each other. And so you need to collect some information. Where are you from? You know, all those kind of information questions, right? And so you're going to experience it. So look around. You know, maybe it's somebody right at your table, uh, close to you, but uh, pair up with somebody, and your goal is simply to collect information. So ready, set, pair up. <laughs> All right, let me just ask you a quick question. Let's debrief for just a minute on what happened. And so that... Um, so from that brief conversation with somebody you may not know at all, uh, what did you discover that uh, maybe you had some things in common? Maybe one thing in common. Did you did you discover something you had in common? Yes. You have a lot of kids. You have a lot of kids. Okay. Yeah. So what's the total between the two of them? Nine. Nine. All right. Okay. Hey, we'll give them a book at the end, Alex. All right. How about anybody else? What did you discover? Boys. Boys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How about somebody else back here? No, we both have things that we struggle with. Okay. Yeah, well, you guys may have taken a little step further than that. Yeah. So we're, we're setting you up for the next side. Yes. We're a couple of backslidden navigators. Oh, backslidden. 
right. Yeah, that's right. We got a special session for you guys. <laughs> that's right. We got a project. Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, well, okay. And it is fascinating, isn't it, that just by collecting information, you end up discovering some common ground things that we have together. And now, here's what we're going to do is that, in a gentle way, we're going to go below the waterline a little bit here. Uh, so you're going to stay with the same person. And, uh, and I want you to continue this conversation. And here's a couple of questions, uh, let's see now, three of them, that, uh, you know, I'm going to give you probably about five to seven minutes here. And uh, continue the same conversation. Here's, you can pick one of these questions, or maybe a question came up from your previous conversation you want to follow up on. But, you know, who is important in shaping your faith and your walk with God? A little bit like what Eric, uh, Alex asked you to do. What's your current greatest faith challenge? Or how do you feel about the importance of building relationships and discipling others? So I'm going to give you, you know, about seven minutes, eight minutes here, and give you a chance to go deeper a little bit. Okay? Ready, set, talk. All right. <laughs> So let's uh, debrief uh, just for a couple minutes here on what happened. And I'm making an assumption when I ask this question, so play along with the question if you could a little bit. So what was different about this conversation and your previous conversation? Deeper. Okay, deeper in what way? Excuse me? More personal. Yeah, more personal, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I knew him a little bit better. Okay, got to know him a little bit better, yeah. Because of the previous one. Yes, in the previous one, yeah. Meaningful. More meaningful, yeah, excellent. To use your term, the vulnerability, I mean, I, I really want to spend more time with this. Okay, all right. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. I was just going to add, like, we don't necessarily have a lot in common to when we're doing the information. Yeah. It was interesting, but we don't, we're not in the same life stage and all that. But now that we got to the deeper point, like, there's just connection points all along the way that yeah. we could go spend time with each other and, and continue going deeper and into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, and again, see. Uh, so let me ask you a second question. The uh, so, what did you maybe observe about the importance of listening in going deep with somebody? And again, this is a very truncated, a very yeah. I realize that, but but again, what did you observe about listening that played a part in taking this conversation deeper? Um, well, I realized from this second conversation, it was a lot more challenging. Okay. There was nothing challenging about the first conversation, but yeah. the second one, there was something, wow, you know, that spoke to me. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, challenging to do it or yeah. challenging, challenging for you personally? Challenging to me, like, oh, wow, I, okay. I see something in your life that I need to change yeah. about mine. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, anything else, just about the value of listening? I think that um, you tend to stop talking as soon as they stop listening, so if you want to actually hear what they have to say, um, you have to listen. Yeah, you have to listen. Yes, yeah. And that means pausing sometimes, <coughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, I started developing an opinion. I felt like I had something to say about what he was saying. Okay, okay. That's, that's hard. Stop shutting that down. Ah, so that wasn't necessarily a good thing. No. What you're saying. No. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I was just going to say, I think like um, you get to hear obviously more of what they value in life, you know, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, yeah, just get more depth. And then also when you're really listening, not for the sake of like, okay, I gotta go next and I gotta say this stuff about me, but you're just listening totally, then um, it's easy to have follow-up questions. Ah, uh, okay, know? okay, like, yes. Like, well, tell me more about that, or I heard you say this, what do you, you know, how's that played out, or whatever. And yes. so, to keep engaging them, to continue engaging them. Yeah, 
like what and how stuff. Yeah, listening, if I'm listening well, then like what you said, it, it prompts some follow-up questions. Yeah, because I want to, I'm curious. The next thing I've thought about a lot of times, listening is just a commitment to being curious, right? Yes. To people. And uh, and so listening is, I think we'd all agree, it's foundational to this. Yes, sir? Fresh used my brother's ears to hear me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't... <laughs> Christ used my brother's ears. Ah, okay, 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 good, good, yeah. And there's something about when we're hurt, there's an element of kind of respect and affirmation that comes from that, isn't it? That we're respecting the other person, we're affirming their importance, and because we're choosing to listen. And like somebody, a couple of you mentioned, and, and, uh, the, and, this, and, and, and I thought too, that listening, Here's an element of dying to self, isn't it? Because I'm putting aside my opinion, I'm going to interject my opinions and agenda and to focus on the other person. And so I'm kind of dying my, to self to listen well. And so in building relationships, again, listening's critical. The other piece, and let me ask you this question, is that what did you learn about the role of questions in going deep with people? You know, what did you observe maybe about the role of questions in going deep with people? Yeah. So again, when I'm asking questions, and I'm interested in them and, and that aspect of their life. Yes, very good. Just that the questions provide an invitation to go deeper in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Them. Yeah, good way of expressing it. Invit I mean, questions are that invitation to go deeper into people's lives. They also provide a, a sort of a parameter or a fence around um, going to places that you don't really need to go yeah. yet or aren't trying to find out about the person. Right, so right. rabbit trails, I guess. Okay, yeah. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's yeah. bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that the questions kinda unlock that backstory of people's lives, don't they? And you and you bring up a good point, Tyler, that they uh, that those are open ended questions. Yeah. And not just simply yes no questions. Yes sir. And by by building on that too, the open ended aspect, when I look at it in retrospect and I wanted to do, try to keep my mind, realizing that you know, more communication is, is visual than verbal. And so I think the fact is morning, I'm fresh and so forth, you know, my, the body language I'm hoping I was sending was really open and that uh -huh. I was genuinely interested yes. and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten in, we won't have time to even to get into the idea of body language and what that does, how you communicate an openness in the conversation and an attentiveness. He used to actually, he used to be one of my supervisors way back when. He had this thing, and I could tell he's not listening anymore. He'd have his arm up in a chair and he'd kind of just start writing with his hands, kind of, you know, and I thought I've lost Jim, you know, and, and but that body language didn't do a whole lot for me in terms of affirming, and we're not even getting into that, but. You know, one of the things with questions, uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine, and we were commenting how so often we're engaged in conversations and we realize nobody's asking me a question. And how few people ask questions in conversations. And because we're engaged in talking and telling what we want, and it's not necessarily a curiosity about the other person and what's going on in their lives and their hearts and so on. And so questions are key, aren't they? And good questions, you know, kind of unlock the door in people's lives. And so these were kind of personal questions that were starters, like somebody else mentioned, that if I listen well, then I do the follow-up questions, and that just takes the conversation deeper, doesn't it? And so as we're going deep with people, 
you know, these simple five kind of levels of communication here that we can either stay above the waterline and just talk about cliches or information. And by the way, this can be a little tool to assess where you are in key important relationships with people. Are you above the waterline? Or have you learned to go below the waterline where we're beginning to talk about values and, and uh, you know, feelings and, and we're connecting at kind of a soul level. And then to do that, we need to listen well and we need to ask questions well because we're unlocking the backstory of each other's lives. Okay? And when we, and that's that spirit of, in that context of love, we're being vulnerable and transparent. And as we then go deep with people, we unlock that backstory in people's lives. Then we begin to see this is how Jesus can connect here. And uh, this is how the scriptures can speak to that. This is how I could affirm you, or maybe how I can challenge you, like somebody over here said that. Hey, I was just challenged by hearing some of the things they said. And that's all part of the relational approach to disciple-making. You've been listening to the Disciple-Makers podcast. The message you just heard was from Navigator's Church Ministries track called Disciple-Making Relationships, Get Real and Go Deep. Make sure to download their free PDF at discipleship.org navigators. In addition to this podcast and that resource, you'll find other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.